Hello, and welcome to Hospitality Speaks Podcast, where we interview top leaders in the travel and leisure business. Join us as we explore the latest trends in the industry and discover what it takes to lead the pack. And now, please welcome your hosts, Ryan Reese and Tommy Botts. Hey, hoteliers, I'm Tommy Botts, and welcome back to Hospitality Speaks. I'm here today with my co-host, Ryan Reese. Hey, everybody. We had a great time speaking with Javier Cano, the area general manager for Marriott in Los Angeles last time. And today we're welcoming Terry Hack, president of Terrania Resort. We really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today, Ms. Hack. So let's start off with a little bit about yourself. First off, how did you break into the industry? Yes, thank you. And congratulations to both of you on the great work that you're doing and so many wonderful colleagues that you have been speaking to. Javier is just up the road from where I am. So we're a great friend. So he's a he's a wonderful hotelier as well. I received my start as a food court attendant in an airport in Denver, Colorado. And it's been history ever since. Awesome. So can you walk us through maybe like a typical day at uh, Terrania, some of the things you see and experience as well as some of the other staff and what they do as well? Yes, thank you. And it is a little bit difficult to pronounce our resort. Um, it's kind of like where's Waldo, so we keep changing how we pronounce, but but it is pronounced Terrania. Terrania, Terrania. Yes. And we're off of the um, Southern California coast below Redondo Beach and above Long Beach. And it is really a remarkable um, piece of land. We feel very grateful that we have been given the stewardship of this great piece of land. Prior to Terranea, this was marine land of the Pacific and it closed for 20 years and then we did a new build. We have 582 rooms for sale product, villas, casitas, and bungalows, uh, spa, golf. So it's a, a pretty active um, uh, environment. We know that uh, the Terranea Resort is an unbranded hotel. Um, how are you able to compete with branded hotels and with their strong loyalty programs and their just strong loyalty in general in the, in the kind of greater Los Angeles market? Yes, that is a very good question. Being independent, is very, very difficult. As we built, we opened in um, 2009. It was really a, um, a process of letting people become to know our property. We're really, you must see it to experience it. And so trying to use every kind of method possible to get people to try the property and then to begin to establish our own um, guest, um, guest information so that we can then retarget them throughout the years. But it is difficult to be a standalone independent property and find your way in the sea of so many brands and their loyalty programs are very, very strong as you've noted. So it's difficult. It's really hoping that they have a wonderful day and then continuing to speak to them through social media so that they'll return again and again. Sure. And so 
uh, of that, what percent um, of your business would you say is the local like drive market business and how do you uh, reach these guests? Yes, uh, Brian, that's a great question. Because there are 7 million people in Los Angeles County, it's um, easy to target market um, just this surrounding area. Interesting enough, many of our um, leisure guests spawn off of being a group guest first. We're a very large group house. We have um, a large, large convention center and facilities. So many come here because their association or their company brought them the first time and then they come back here the second time as a leisure guest. And so that's really a built-in marketing um, for us to then as soon as a group guest is here, we're, we're um, targeting them to come back as a leisure guest. We do a lot of value add promotions. We try not to say that they're discounting. We really are adding value. We'll give a, a resort credit or maybe a, an activity credit to spawn again that trial for that new guest here from the area. But many, I would say um, 60 plus percent of our business come right here from Southern California. So you you said talked a little bit about um, companies bringing uh people and groups to your hotel. So how have we know we've talked with a couple of general managers and they've um, early on, earlier on in the pandemic, we talked with a few and they, they talked about how, how they've really been struggling to get groups back. And now after, after talking to the general manager, uh, one in New York and one in Los Angeles, kind of bigger markets, they've seen a pretty good rebound back to their normal numbers. Um, how have, have you, have you seen that same rebound and, uh, how have you dealt with groups? Yes, we have. We are very grateful that our groups are loyal to us. Many of them moved their very large programs from 20 into 21. Some even had to move this year, 22, because Omicron had raised its ugly head again. Um, LA County is difficult because the restrictions of doing business in LA County are very, very stringent. So some groups were a bit um, put off by that. Our business is very brisk throughout the rest of this year. And much of our business is groups that moved and very much wanna be in Southern California, very much wanna be on the coast. And we have a strategic advantage because people feel safe here. There's so many outdoor venues. There literally are no other buildings except our property on this site. So they feel like their guests can have this very safe outdoor um, environment and um, can continue to conduct really meaningful meetings. Awesome. And so I saw on your website that you guys do a lot of charity work. In uh, February, you worked with Meals on Wheels. Mm -hmm. uh, June, you worked with the Marine Mammal uh, Care Center. And July, you worked with uh, food banks. So can you tell us a little bit about that and how the property um, handles uh, charity work? Yes, thank you. When we began from the very first moment that we opened, we selected five charities to be involved with because there was so much need in the area and it just really wasn't practical. So we stayed in education, in mammal care, in 
um, the Land Conservancy. And so we've stayed in 13 years, we've stayed just that course. And so we can give meaningful donations and do in-kind donations for our five charities. And then each month we select another charity in which to honor um, March's March Madness for our um, Los Angeles Children's Hospital. And we allow our hourly staff members to submit names of charities and then we select one. So it becomes a very um, organic thing within our property. And we ask each of our leaders and each of our staff members to please give back to their community. Regardless of what that is, we have to realize that the world is bigger than us and we must give back. And so we give them time off to, if they wanna coach their child's you know, soccer team or if they wanna um, do Habitat for Humanity, anything that allows um, them to give back, we honor that. And so it's part of our fiber and I hope that we'll continue for some years to come. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, so we you talked about um, having uh, villas or and having realist and owners um, on your property. So is moving uh, one time stairs or or guests to owners an important strategy? And how do you how do you balance the demands of selling real estate with also taking care of transient guests who are not interested in buying uh, a home? That is a very good question. We have our for sale product is whole owned limited use. So you're getting a whole owned deed, but you have a deed restriction that says you must put it back for public consumption. So we they must rent. And so for us, we are selling the product, but we're also retaining it as a for sale um, guest room so that we can rent it. So it's a very unusual situation mandated by the Coastal Commission and their belief that um, all public should have the right to um, enjoy the coast. So you could buy a unit. Um, we would rent it for you. We would split the revenue and we would care for your unit. And so it's really the best of both worlds. Our owners are very happy. They're making um, great top line revenue, sharing it with us. And, and now post pandemic, many families and even travelers want an individual unit. They don't necessarily wanna go into a hotel building. So for us, that's a whole new market that um, has been enriched because of um, the desires of our guests wanting to be in an individual unit with an individual heating and cooling um, controls. So, um, but it works well. All of our product that is for sale has already been sold. So we haven't released anything else. We have very few resales because our, our owners are happy. So are there, are there certain um, blackout dates where they need to rent out their house? Are there certain how many months of the year they need to do it out of the year? Or how does that kind of work? Or is that on a per house basis? Yeah. No, each um, facility, if you're a villa, you can stay in your villa 90 days a year, and then you must rent the rest of the time, and you can't stay any, any days longer than 28. You must check out and then check back in um, in another 28 days. If you have a casita, 
you have 60 days and then all the rest of the days must be in for public consumption. So it's really very limited use um, for the owner. And so we're hearing from a lot of uh, the people that we interview that so Thursdays and Sundays have gone from being traditionally soft days of the week uh, for revenue to very strong as guests are now coming early for the weekend or staying late since uh, because of COVID, they can work from anywhere now. Mm -hmm. uh, at Terrania, are you, uh, Terrania, sorry. Are, okay. you, are you seeing similar patterns? And if so, has it changed your uh, selling and pricing strategy? Yes, it really has. And, and we are following the trend that many, particularly in resorts, are seeing that they're able to work from wherever. So they're, even their children are going to school you know, remotely half of the time. So they're um, arriving on a Thursday. At, they're asking for early, early check-ins on Thursday, late checkouts on Monday, so that they're staying the whole weekend. So they're working a bit, playing a bit. The need for kids club has increased on Thursdays and Mondays, where before those were really dark days for us. Um, dark meaning that we didn't have any um, children to participate. So it is really a trend for us. It's a bit complicated because we have so many large blocks of group in the house. And so working through that, we also are seeing a trend that many group guests are bringing their families pre and post where before that was not that big of a trend, but now many are attending their uh, conference, but they're um, asking their family to come in before or, or come in following the conference. So with that trend of uh, checking in on Thursday and leaving on Monday, has that made it, has that made it harder on your housekeeping staff since you know, it's not on the normal turn days or has, how has that changed your operations? It has, um, Really what, what's changed is our yield manager having to understand how they're going to manage yield in with this demand on a Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Sunday, where it wasn't before. Housekeeping really has been um, unaffected because we've had such large movements of group and leisure that really hasn't impacted um, housekeeping. But our yield manager has sure had to um, change their thinking and how they yield our house. And so also on the website, I saw that, you know, with a big resort like yours, there's a lot of events there. I saw you guys have archery, uh, guided kayak fishing, and even uh, one of them was called a private falconry experience. Mm -hmm. um, how does uh, that, you know, affect the experience of the guests? And um, what would you say maybe is like, the, a guest favorite at the hotel. Yes, I think um, I'll focus on falconry for a moment. When I first, um, we were opening, when we were first opening, I've been here since um, 07, we were understanding what this huge problem of pigeons and seagulls were in our area. And we wanted to be the most environmentally sound practices that we could. So flying, predatory birds is the way to mitigate seagulls. So we fly a predatory bird, very expensive. Um, you must fly regularly. So you have to fly three or four times a day or uh, times a week, pardon me. And so what we realized is people were fascinated by falconry. 
yet we were doing it to mitigate the seagulls. So we turned it into a guest amenity. And when a guest approaches the falconer with a giant owl or with um, a predatory bird, it, they're just fascinated by it. And so now we pay him, we have for a number of years to stop and speak to the guest and allow the guest to understand what he's doing, how he's mitigating the birds. So it's sort of a surprise and delight. You're walking along and suddenly you get this experience that you weren't expecting. Archery down by the sea is really exciting and something that many haven't done before. Our third party outfitter is just a really great person. He teaches all of his young staff members to take our guests out sea kayaking and teach them about the kelp beds and teach them about the surrounding, not just being in a kayak. And so we try to expand all of our guest offerings that they come away with something, um, some intellectual piece that they didn't have before, but they had great, great enjoyment. And uh, would you say that that would be your favorite experience, the falconry one? I would. It cool. is it is fascinating. He has this giant Australian owl. It's just remarkable. And you actually can pet the owl. And it, it's just remarkable. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, six years old or, you know, 60. It's just this remarkable experience to be that close to a bird of that um, stature. It's really incredible. Um, you'll, you'll have to come, Ryan and Thomas. So those are certainly some very interesting experiences. Um, if you were given the opportunity to renovate uh, one area of the hotel today, what would it be and why? Yes, we've been very blessed that we've continued to renovate all along. I would focus 100% on golf. We have a um, executive par three, all um, ocean holes. It's really beautiful but we have not completed a golf building as of yet. So that would be the absolutely the thing that I would do. We would build a golf building that would be our golf starter, but then we'd put some food and beverage in it, maybe a, a, a cool Irish tavern or something, and then put some facilities for family, like a family game room. That would be my idea. Now, of course, the owners haven't allowed me to spend $10 million and do that just as yet, but that's the first thing I would do. And then, um, you know, as far as uh, your career and what got you up to uh, where you are today at the resort, would you mm -hmm. say you have uh, had any mentors that helped you move through the ranks? Yes, a little bit different for um, me because I was one of the few women that stayed in operations as I moved through my career, but I watched the, I watched people and how they managed companies, not necessarily hotel companies, but how they managed their company. And I focused on learning everything that I could learn on the business side of the business, because I felt like I had the desire to please, the desire to be um, in tune with guests and associates, we call our employees associates, but I needed to tone my business sense. So I could name every business um, book, I think that's ever been written that 
that I've read. Um, there hasn't been one individual hotelier that I have um, aspired to be like, but there are many that I have take, taken the best points of their career and um, have tried to put them in and modeled the, my career after them. So what would you say, we've talked a lot about a lot of great things. What would you say the most challenging part of your job is? Well, today it is restaffing. Um, it, sadly, I furloughed or laid off 1,100 people when we had to close. So restaffing is my greatest challenge right now. Finding people, giving them the message that hospitality is a really exciting career journey, that you can make your mark in our industry. They, during the pandemic, um, many of our employees found other ways in which to make their money uh, and, and care for their families. And so um, com compelling them to come back to our industry is really an important thing for me. And um, in general, I think the challenge of running a very large, complicated resort is um, all-consuming. And so you have to stay humble. You have to keep learning. You have to not ever believe you have it um, done because it's never done. And so for me, that's my, my challenge to always continue to find innovative ways to lead this organization. Certainly. And then to end on a good note, what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? It is seeing people be more than they thought they could be, helping them understand that their success is not tied to me. It's tied to their own self. And seeing a, an associate that started as a housekeeper and is now maybe you know, a supervisor or assistant manager brings me great joy. And I, I believe in our industry. Um, I believe it's a hard industry to make your way, but you just need a couple of, take some roadblocks out of the way and people will just flourish. Um, I, I so am excited for both of you and for our industry. Think about you leading our industry is really, really, um, it's, it's exciting. Well, well, thank you so much for your time. The, uh, Terranea Resort is certainly a beautiful property with uh, incredible views and an amazing staff. Um, we at Hospitality Speaks wish you and your staff the best of luck. And to the rest of you, tune in next time. <laughs>